Hello, and welcome to Agape Fellowship, where we read and study the Word of God verse by verse. We learned in the previous chapter that Jesus did not come to overthrow the law, but to fulfill it. We got an understanding of murder, reconciliation, divorce, adultery, revenge, and love, especially loving the unlovable. Jesus is offering lessons on discipleship. We are now starting to read Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6, 1 to 4. Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deeds may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Charitable deeds does not just mean donations, cash funds, and things. It just means righteousness, righteous acts, not necessarily only cash. It could be the way that you conduct yourself, your righteousness. Jesus tells us to not do righteous things for the sake of a display or for an image or any to impress people so that you can be seen by others. So, oh, five people are looking now, let me do the charitable deeds. He's saying that should not be our motivation. Jesus has just clearly shown God's righteous standards. And Jesus addresses the danger of cultivating an image of righteousness. Instead, he's saying, not just an image, be that person. In Matthew 5, it says, let your light so shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. How do you reconcile one saying, do not do this so that others can see, and the other one, you know, Matthew 15, it says, um, you should do it so that others can glorify. How do you reconcile that? What are your thoughts? How do you reconcile those two thoughts? Well, the one is that you're doing it not unto anybody. You're doing it unto Christ. You're not doing it to present to somebody. So if somebody sees it good or bad, whatever, it is not. it does not matter to me why, what they see in me. As long as I'm imitating Christ and as long as I'm doing this as unto God, I'm fine. Otherwise, notice what he says. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Any good deed, here's the thing, any good deed you do will be rewarded. This is an interesting concept. Any good deed, you will be rewarded. The only question is, where will you be rewarded? Where will you be rewarded? If you do it to please men, you will receive a reward immediately from men. How? Well, they will clap. They'll say, oh, what a wonderful person. Look at all his generosity. 
and they will, you will hear it and you'll feel so puffed up. They will put you on pedestals um, and they will wax eloquence about you. And oh, you can feel so good that so many people saw, see, I'm such a wonderful person. I gave so much and so many people recognize me. In fact, they will do one other thing. They will put your names on buildings. They will create foundations in your name. And you will feel so good. And your name will come up on television, funded by Anil Thomas and Anil and Miriam Thomas Foundation. And I'll feel so good because a billion people saw me. And I will go around giving vaccines to other people. And I will be so generous in my vaccine donations. And then I will be funding all these different organizations. And, you know, I'll feel so good. And finally, the human governments will give you a 501c3 tax return receipt that you can go and file it and get a, a deduction on your tax accounts. Those are the things, those are the rewards that you will get here in this world. For the good deed you do in secret, no one is aware of, that your Father in heaven will reward you. Assuredly, I say to you, this is what Jesus says, they have the rewards. In other words, those that do this, they have the rewards already. Here's the principle. No double dipping. <laughs> you can take your pick. Do you want it here or do you want it over there? Store up your treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not get to it. So forget your rewards over here. Just worry about the rewards over there. Choose wisely where you want your rewards. There are some that say, eh, all, you know, really, at the end of it all, all that matters is that, well, good thing was done. It really doesn't matter how it was done. In the end, something good came out of it. That's what some will say. In some cases, in some cases, right things could be done a wrong way. In other words, you achieved the right objective, but you did it the wrong way. You've seen that. And in some other cases, you had the wrong motive, but it achieved the right thing. That's also possible. You were not wanting to do it. It was a wrong motive, but it achieved a good thing. So in both cases, it was a good thing. However, Jesus is saying, God cares for the good thing, the good works, and our motive, and the way that we did that. So for Jesus, all three are important. Not just the end result. The road you travel and the motive you had behind traveling that road. They're all important. Now, if they were important only to show, it's just to show, then you will have a reward. Believe me, God is not going to take your reward away. It'll be here on planet Earth. So if you were a shooting star, you will see the thing come out, you know, like the fireworks. Your good works will be like that fireworks. Go and then all goes dark. That was your good works. There you go, your reward.
we have a whole bunch of trophies uh, our children have, and I'm sure Miriam, she was an athlete in school. She had a whole bunch of trophies uh, when she came out of school and college, and she was a badminton um, you know, university champion and everything else. Now, if I ask her, where are those trophies? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know is what she'll say. I got a bunch of kids trophies sitting downstairs. They don't care. They'll try. They'll trash it. I don't want it. You see, everything that we do for here and all the rewards we get for here ends up in the trash or it'll be behind the garbage or it will be up in the attic that your children will say, get rid of it. This is a waste. Your grandchildren will say, what is this nonsense? Throw it out. I got a trophy. I got a little plaque or something like that from some 20 years ago when I started a league, a sports league in, in New Jersey. You know the, the one person that cares for it? Just me. <laughs> Nobody else cares. Even the league doesn't care. They gave me a plaque, said, goodbye, Mr. Thomas, see ya. And when I, when I called them the other day, they was like, who the heck are you? <laughs> they didn't know who I was. That was the end of all my rushing to start up a league and everything else. So charitable deeds. Now the question about sounding a trumpet, it seems like this is, this is uh, you know, beyond maybe Jesus wasn't meaning it, it wasn't the case, but actually this was the case. It was customary in, for some in Jesus' days to draw attention with their giving. And so it actually, they actually did this. Their little trumpets, and when they came in, they would put their money in, and the whole town would recognize, oh, um, Mr. So-and-so put in a huge donation for the temple. And they would be clapping and so on. These days, we are a little more elegant. You know what we do is we cut ribbons, and then everybody claps. We don't sound trumpets. Uh, but back then, they used to sound trumpets. As the hypocrites do in the synagogue, Jesus calls these hypocrites. Now, as I was studying on this one, I asked myself, wasn't the money good enough? What's the problem with the money? Can it not purchase the same amount as a silent giver? And the answer is yes. Here's where the issue is. In the Jewish culture, Doing good gained merit with God. I'll give you an example. Uh, it comes from Acts 10, Cornelius. If you look at Cornelius' story, they come to Peter and say, this is a good man. He's done great charitable deeds. And God honors him. You can go back and look at Cornelius. You know, the good deeds meant something. And so it was a way of gaining merit. And in some cases, even to ask for atonement, for forgiveness of past sins. And this is what happened. Now, you would understand why, after the temple was destroyed, that the Jews went back to Day of Atonement. In fact, it is this week, next week. Rosh Hashanah. Day of Atonement, what do they do? For 25 hours, they will sit and fast. 
And they will look at the good deeds and the bad deeds and they will weigh it in a balance. And they will try to do all the good deeds this week and next week before 25th so that the number of good weeks though, for those that are keeping count will outweigh the number of bad deeds that they've done this year. That is the day of atonement, not prescribed by scriptures, but they don't have a temple. So they haven't taken a bath in 2000 years. Um, so they, they are, they smell, but this is the way that they assume God is going to accept their day of atonement, their fasting and their, and they're sitting in fast for 24 hours and then showing the number of good deeds. So this has been a, a thing from a long time ago, but then they have elevated it to a point of even atonement and forgiveness of sins. The same thing applies even in the Muslim faith where, you know, they have the, one of the things is there's a five pillars of Islam and one of the pillars is giving arms and doing charitable deeds. And that's how you please God. And in hoping, having pleased God um, to be able to receive atonement for your sins. So in the act of giving, here's the issue. In the act of giving, there's a presumption of repentance. That's just a presumption. They didn't do the presumptive. The, they, they were not entrusted in the repentance part. They were entrusted in showing the act that showed that they have received atonement. And so that is why Jesus calls them hypocrites. They are called hypocrites because they haven't repented. There's no remorse in their lives. All they're doing these things for is to show the outside world that, oh, I'm so, you know, sorrowful and I am repenting in my heart that, you know, that I did such a thing. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. It's not possible that your left hand does not know what your right hand is doing, obviously, but what is Jesus trying to say? Keep it a secret. Don't let anybody know. If you're doing something good for someone else, keep it a secret. And whatever you've done in secret, God is going to reward you on that day. Jesus points to a greater value in doing good for the glory of God. Verse 6, when you pray, first was about giving on, um, charitable deeds, giving alms. Now, next is prayer. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in synagogues and on the corners of streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. When you've shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who is in secret will reward you openly. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. And what do they do? They stand at the street corners. There are two parts to this. One is they stand in the synagogue and have this long prayer so that everybody can hear them, how long these prayers are. Oh, so wonderful prayer. It goes on for two hours. He prayed for two hours. 
That's one approach that they had. Here's even a more sinister, devious approach. They will go out on a walk and time themselves so that at 12 o'clock, when it's time for noontime prayer, whoops, I'm in the middle of the town square. I'm a Pharisee. I got to pray. And so they fall on the ground and they start to pray. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. All you did there was showing everybody that you're, you know, you're so righteous and you're praying into all these, you know, to your God and everything. No, don't do that. Go in secret. Close the door. Pray in secret. The Muslims, they do this. They have their prayer rug. You may have seen a few years ago that they used to stand in airports and they're right in the middle of the airport or in, in London, they will stand like 500 of them will take over a street like BLM is doing today. They will take over a street and they'll put their prayer rug right in the main, you know, whatever that main drag is and they'll start to pray. Do you think this out of righteousness or to prove a point? Obviously it's to prove a point. It wasn't meant because they were crying out to their God in honest and sincere, honestly and in sincerity. No, they were doing this to prove a point. And so, in, in uh, the Jews also did the same thing: is they would uh, by su such mere mere coincidence in, quote, in quotations mere coincidence that I so happened to be in the middle of Town Square in Manhattan. Uh, right by World Trade Center, and I had to pray. And Jesus is saying, look, those that have prayed, they've got the reward. What's the reward? Oh, what a righteous man. That's your reward. But your Father in Heaven is not going to hear you. When you pray, go into your room. When you shut your door, pray to your Father in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And he's going verse 7. When you pray, do not use vain repetition as heathens do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows the things you need off before you ask it. Now I've seen amongst Christians that want to pray they have got filler words. Have you seen these filler words? I detest these filler words. And these filler words are things such as father, 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 father. Every third word is father. Uh, or another one, they'll say, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Uh, they'll fill this up. Cut the hallelujah, put it to the side. Let's get to the essence of it because you're, you're hearing and you want to say amen to what you're saying. So even if our prayer is short, it's better to be short than to use filler words. You know what I'm talking about? And I'm sure you guys all know what other filler words are there. Don't use filler words. You don't have to extend yours to the prayer. Just be honest. Because there's only one listener of your prayer. That's our Heavenly Father. The others are going to say amen to it. Or they'll say, oh, there goes a filler. So let the amens come. So when you pray in public or when you're in a, in a group praying, small prayer is good. 
But if you've got a lot to say, go ahead, say it. No problem. Just don't make babbling sounds. Just for the sake of it. To fill it, to make it long, instead of 50 words, you made it 250 words. What good is it? They were all fillers. It's like gelatin in our food. Uh, you know, you put these things in the food to give it, not because it adds flavor, just to add what? Fluff. To add some thickness to the, to the gravy or something, it adds no value to you. So don't add fluff. Keep it simple. My father-in-law, this was one of his pet peeves. He, I've heard him say it at least a dozen times. Oh, these people, they go on their prayer uh, thing. I better go and get a cup of coffee by the time it's done. He didn't say that, that I added. But he'd say, I don't want to hear these long prayers. So before he tells somebody to pray, he says, Mr. So-and-so, please make it short. He will say it bluntly. He was a blunt man. So he didn't care who was listening. He said, please keep it short, but short and sweet. That's it. Enough. So also for us, I want all of our fellowship to pray. This is one of the things that I want every one of you to pray. However, you don't need to fill it. And I, by the way, I'm not saying that any of you fill it. This is one thing I've seen that our fellowship, those of you that pray, you don't fill stuff. You're honest and you just give it exactly the way it is. Short, sweet prayers and that's good. No, no questions, no issues with that. Your father knows these things that you need. And here's the main thing. When you are speaking to an audience of one, he knows what you need already. So you, it's not as if that you're giving him some new information. All you're saying is, I confirm, God, what you know already. That's all what you're saying. I confirm that I have a need that you know already. All you're doing is attesting to what God already knows about you and about me. There is no new information that you are going to be delivering via telegram or email or text message or whatever to God. Understand that. So we are just confirming that which he already knows and that which he, he has already decided what to do about. But he wants to hear what our position is. Even that he knows, but he wants our truth to come out of our mouth. He knows our insides and he knows our outsides. He knows us from outside and within and without. He just wants us to come out truthfully. So truthful prayers yields answers. Fake prayers. He'll say, I'll put it to the side till that kid decides to tell me the truth. Until then, you're not going to get an answer. When your prayer is truthful, honest, God will hear you. When you try to weasel with God, you'll say, okay, let the kid come straight, and then I will answer, put this on hold, angel. We'll come back to him, the kid will come back, so then we'll address it. That's what he does. God cares about how we do good things. The road we travel, the motives we've had in traveling, and the end result all matter. Good deeds gain merit and gain atonement when we do it in the eyes of God. As for prayer, God doesn't approve of long and showy prayers, but prefers truthful ones. Let us please God and not men. Do join us in the next episode.